0: Take your Bibles as we take a break from the Psalms. We're going to open up to Isaiah this morning. Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 2 to 6 in just a minute. Imagine, as we've been thinking through uh, the Psalms, we've been looking in, at, our, at our church. If you're here online, Welcome visiting with us. We've been in a series, uh, we've been find ourselves in the Lament Psalms and in the book of Psalms and uh, uh, how do we work through the hard of our life that both the hard and the good are mingled together in this thing we call life and uh, imagine living that, that life in even worse, even a harder period of time without a copy of God's word. There was a period in our history for over a thousand years that no one had a copy of God's Word in a language they could read. There was a period in history where no one, when they gathered together to worship God, sang songs like we just got through singing. And for a thousand years, no one believed, almost no one believed, Believed that you could pray directly to God, but without the aid of a priest. And for years, they stripped out of the church repentance and put in its place penance so they could line their coffers and build their cathedrals until one man, one imperfect man, dared to stand in the gap, to, to stand against and speak against the status quo. That man was Martin Luther. He stood against the most religious, powerful organization of that day. And, but what he did was, just like that video said, he just lit a small flame that would start a revolution that would bring a reformation that goes on to this day. And the reformation was back to something. And to have a reformation to something, the people must be able to read that something. I'm speaking of the Protestant Reformation. We are Protestants. If you don't believe that, you don't know your history very well. And the Psalms comes into this and speaks into the dark nights of our soul. But what do you do when the dark night is over a nation and a country and a world? That movement was characterized by a phrase, post-tenebrous lux, out of darkness, light. There's no perfect, more perfect metaphor than light and darkness to understand this thing we call life, this battle we call life. Genesis 1, I'll, these passages connect to where we're going to land here in just a minute. Genesis 1, 4, you know this. Verse 3 st- says, Genesis 1, 3, and 4, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And when John wrote his gospel, so he picks up this picture, that light and darkness is distinct, and they are separated, and only one brings life. He he describes Jesus in John 1, 4 this way, In Christ was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. As we just got through seeing in our video, light does all kinds of things for us. It brings comfort. It brings guidance. It brings growth. It causes transformation, but it also exposes, doesn't it? We need truth. We need to be exposed so that we understand ourselves, others, this world we live in better. There's, only one, there's a perfect illustration of the contrast of what light does. Just think of that blue light that we all know so well, right? And we've all had both experiences. If you live long enough, you'll have both. Hurrying on the way to work one morning and speeding, and you look in your rearview mirror, light. Does that light comfort you? No, but it just exposed something, didn't it? But imagine you're broke down on the side of the road. Phone's dead, no reception. Same blue light. What does it do? It comforts. This is the light. You may not like it it when it exposes, but it's still truth, and it's still there for your good. The gospel describes this as Christ and Christ alone bringing this light. If you got your notes, the main idea there is up at the top. Though this world plunged itself into deep darkness, yet through the incarnation, the light has shone bringing redemption and joy in a forever kingdom. And so now you should have been able to find Isaiah 9. Stand with us to our feet. As we stand to our feet, let us remember this. This prophet uttered this prophecy 700 years before Christ was born. Isaiah 9 and verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you, as with the joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoils. For the yoke of His burden and the staff of His shoulder The rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in the battle tumult. And every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government... And of the peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and evermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of God. Let's pray. And so, Lord, as we think about these simple truths this morning, they are anything but simple. They are that which alone brings life so that we may see your glory and enjoy you now. A glory and a joy that transcends our situations and brings us to the Lord right here where we sit. Do this in our life. Do this for those that are watching in Jesus' name. Amen. So two points, very brief this morning, because want, we want to sing some more today. The darkness was deep, but the light is shown. The darkness was deep. It is deep. Verse 2, in Isaiah 9, we see that as nothing new under the sun, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness... So we see the land was not only dark, it was, it was what we were born into. It was what we walked. It was where we lived. It's more than just something we struggle against. It was not only with us, it was even in us. It was what Jesus experienced. If you want to pin Matthew, that's where I'll sort of parallel as we as we run through the day. Matthew 4 Said in verse 12, just says, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea. And then it quotes this verse. The people dwelt in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the regions and shadows of death, on them light has shone. It, it shows us this un, inarguable truth that the darkness is worse than what you thought it was. Because this darkness brings with it separation. And not only separation, but hostility. Jesus had to move sometimes because, not only because of the separation, because those that were in darkness are hostile to the light. Ephesians 2.1 describes us that we were hostile to the light. All of us. None of us got by with it. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air, that is the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. These were the people that light has dawned on. People who dwelt in darkness. But the light has shone. I just want us to see this morning. Just four simple truths. Simple truths that we like need to remember. The light was a child. This is what verse 6 tells us. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a child was born. Remember 700 years the prophet said this this king would first be a child. And and so 700 plus years later... when Paul wrote Galatians to the church, this is what he said Galatians 4 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law, so that we might receive the adoptions of sons. God sent forth a child. Born of a woman, why? To identify with our humanity, to actually live a life, a life mingled just like yours, with good times and hard times, yet he lived it without sin. Why? The text tells us, so that he might redeem us. Because you cannot redeem yourself. The light was a child, the light was also a son, do you see it? A son was given. Isaiah 7.14, just a couple chapters before, says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, if you have Matthew tagged, you can just simply flip back over and see in Matthew 1.21. It says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they should call his name Emmanuel, God with us. The light was a child. The light was a son. The son was God's divine son. But he was also Mary's little boy. This teaches us the dual natures of Christ. The greater picking up the lesser. But make no mistake, this child, this son, Mary's little boy, was a king. And he would bring a kingdom. That's the thrust of this whole text in back in Isaiah. In verse 6 and 7, it says, And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called a Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7, Of the increase of his government... And of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, uphold it, with justice and righteousness from this time forth forevermore. There is a now and not yet to this kingdom. But make no mistake, when the wise men came, who they were looking for. Back to Matthew, if you've got it tagged. Matthew chapter 2. Notice the language of these men who not only knew the stars, but knew the prophecies. And in Matthew 2, verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, verse 2, saying, Where is he who has been born, what? King of the Jews. For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to, what? Worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them, "Where was, where the is this Christ to be born?" They told him, "Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets." And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of, of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For though for you have become a ruler, you will shepherd, you will shepherd my people. Israel, they were looking for a king. And so it is when John the Baptist came on the scene, one chapter later in Matthew, Matthew chapter 3, it said John the Baptist comes on the scene preaching, and what was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so, no surprise when you flip over one chapter and find Jesus preaching. What was his message? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so when you turn to the end of this book that we call our Bible, and you look at Revelation 1.5, listen to what it says. To Christ who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood and made us a kingdom, priest of God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Make no mistake, this morning, child was born, the son was given, and he brought a kingdom. But listen, this king has a name. He's got a name. He was given a name, and he gives you a name. Matthew 1 again, verse 21 says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from our sins. Jesus, remember when we studied through Joshua? Jesus is our Joshua. He is our Yeshua. That's the Greek form of Jesus. He come to save us, to bring us victory, to crush things. He did not save us for us to wallow around in our own depression and anxiety. He saved us so that we might be free. Free from sin and free from self and free to live for Him. And free to have joy that transcends our situation. That's why He came. He is our Joshua and He is God with us. For we will never be alone again once Christ has struck the match. And so He has. Even when He ascended in Matthew 28, He promised us, I am with you till the end of the age Brothers and sisters, today, when he left us, he gave us his spirit and his church. And he has given you nothing else better than that. And if you abandon that, there is nothing else in this world but darkness. Put makeup on it if you want to. It is still darkness once you pull back the shades. Jesus came. Look at what he says back in, back in Isaiah 9. Wonderful counselor. That's his name. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So much There. Can we just ask this question, just so I'm brief this morning? What would you expect? Just even if you haven't ever thought about all those names before, what would you expect that king to bring? Well, the text tells us in verse 3, it says, you have multiplied the nations. You would have expected this thing called Christianity that follows this person called Christ to have multiplied all over the world has it? yes it has and we're not done yet you would have expected to increase our joy a joy that looks like a farmer when he has produced a bumper crop do you see it? as with the harvest as with those in Joshua when the walls fell down so what? just a couple of texts and we're going to sing some more. Do you have a joy-giving thankfulness? A joy-giving thankfulness for what Christ has done. I want you to see this. Uh, Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. I just can't find a better passage. I just love this passage. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. I just think both of these passages, the New Living Translation, just nails it. And, uh, Paul's having a really good, necessary conversation here in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. We're just sort of diving into this this conversation, but he's talking about the good news here. Paul calls this the good news. Look at verse 5. He said, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves just do what I don't normally do, which is talk in the middle of God's word. Uh, we, we don't need anything else. I don't need to hand out t-shirts, to put smoke or mirrors. or. We don't need anything else. We need, we need this. He said, we go around preaching not about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the king. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. And listen to what he said. Think about my passages in the beginning. For God, verse 6, For God who said, Let there be light, has made this light shine in our hearts. Why? Wow. So we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. And you can search for it for 50 years if you want to. That you will not find it anywhere else but in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where you'll find the glory of God. You were made for the glory of God. And you will only find it in the face of Jesus Christ. Colossians then, 1.12. He prays this for his church. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. This This is what hit me this week when I was studying this. That's what that what that really looks like. Is he saying, "May you be filled with a joy giving thanks, a joy giving thanks"? That's what he's praying for for you. That's why Jesus came, not so you can just get out of hell, not so you can just have some kind of ticket in your pocket and live like you want to and pull it out at your hope the preacher pulls it out at your funeral. No, no. He, he means to give us joy now. And how we know is the gratefulness, the thanksgiving that it produces in our life. So he prays for joy. Look at what, it, looks what he keeps on saying. Why? Why is that so important for me and you? He says, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin. This is the gospel. This is what it produces. It produces a joy. A joy produces thanksgiving. Thanksgiving produces more joy. And that has nothing to do with what's going on in your life. It works. Even when you receive the worst news of your life, or as we've been in Psalms, when you're in the waiting of your life, what Christ gives, He gives what is good. And what He gives is a joy, a joy giving thankfulness that knows I have Christ and He is enough. And so, brothers and sisters, my challenge to you today is let us not walk in darkness, but let us wait in joy. Let's pray. So, Lord, what a good news of great joy that you have left us with a charge to give to all peoples. All peoples. No distinction. Lord, that is our the passion of our life. It is why we are here and not home with you yet. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would bring joy to the tired. Strengthen the depressed. Help us see Christ can give you nothing more than what he's given us, Lord. And we pray and thank you, Father, for that. And so now, we want to come like we do every week. And we want to come and stand to our feet and we're going to come to the tables, Lord. And Father, we thank you that you open the tables up to all who believe. Who have repented and put their faith in Jesus Christ, and so our table is open. The table of heaven is going to be open to all those who believe, and so is ours. And so, Lord, we remember that this is a brief life. You have given us one life to live, and you have given us your Son to prove how much you love us. And so, Lord, now we remember that proof. Of His love was His life, was His body and His blood. That proof that He loved us was that He resurrected and ascended. And one day there is going to be that eighth day, that day that never ends. And so we will ever always be with you. And until then, Lord, receive our worship now. As we sing. As we give as we rejoice this Christmas day over the birth of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen.